The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Gabby, and welcome to What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. I'm the founder of What's Gabby Cooking, a food website. I'm a best-selling author, and now I'm a podcast host. What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking-related questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and so much more. Plus, every episode, I'm going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, since we're all limiting the amount of time we spend at the grocery store. So without further ado, this is What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. I feel like it has been a week. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm really excited that the weekend is here tomorrow, even though the weekends look exactly the same as weekdays. But whatever. Here we are. We're on podcast number 745 because that's how long quarantine feels. And your guys' questions have been like such a bright spot in my day when I listen to the voicemails because A, it's so fun to hear your voice. And B, I feel like we are getting to the bottom of so many questions. And I can't even tell you all the emails I'm getting about everyone's lives being better, about like knowing how to cook grains or what to do with different things. Like, So A, thank you. I really appreciate you guys calling in. Let's get right into the questions. This first one, I can already tell you, this is a gem. This is exciting. This is Hillary Williams, your manager from Los Angeles. Just thought I'd check in. As you know, I have been attempting to bake and I have blueberries and strawberries and almond flour and regular flour. And I had a couple of questions. First question is, How do you know when certain things are starting to go bad? Everything from blueberries to also things like eggplant or mushrooms. What is the tell-all sign that those are starting to turn? And then also, two-part question for baking. When you're baking, almond flour substitute for regular flour, brown sugar substitute for regular sugar. I know this may sound stupid, but as a first-time baker, would love to know. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Hillary. For those of you listening who might not know Hillary, which might be most of you, Hillary is my manager, as she said, and she makes my world go round. I love her so dearly and her entire family. But the one thing that makes me smile is Hillary did not cook before quarantine. (laughs) She did not bake. She did not cook. She, I mean, the woman's busy. She's in meetings all the time. Like I get it. She doesn't have time, but the amount of phone calls I've fielded since quarantine started gives me so much joy because she's cooking and baking. And I FaceTime her at least twice a week to walk her through a recipe. And it gives me great joy. So anyways, thanks for calling in, Hill. Let's talk about things going bad. So I wish there was a telltale sign for everything. Let's just like run through the list. Bread, as soon as it starts to get moldy, toss it. Eggs, if you have had eggs sitting in your fridge for too long and you put them in a in like a bowl of fresh cold water, if it's good, it will sink to the bottom. If it's bad, it will float to the top. So you never really know how long your eggs have been out for, like since they were basically laid by the chicken. So you might as well try it. 
see what happens. And it's also like a fun food experiment for your kids. If you have kids, fruits and vegetables, if the textures changed, it's time to go. Like if you have raspberries and it all of a sudden looks mushy or grainy, or it kind of smells a little funky, or it's starting to change colors, it's a toss. What I've been doing for a lot of fruit, because I've been getting some in my CSA is putting it on a baking sheet. For example, this is what I do with raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries, put it on a baking sheet, pop it in the freezer till it like like has like an initial freeze and then transfer those into a plastic bag or a Tupperware or something and then pop it in the freezer so I can use it for smoothies or I can take it out and thaw it out for scones or whatever it is. That covers most of the, like, I think everyone knows how to tell if like deli meat or regular meat has gone bad. If it's, it's usually smell it. And then as far as vegetables go, if they turn yellow, like if a green vegetable, broccoli, kale, chard, something like that starts to turn yellow, it's usually time to go. So I think that answers that question. As far as flour substitution goes and sugar substitutions. So flour, you cannot do a one-to-one substitution for almond flour, coconut flour, all that. It's not a one-to-one for all-purpose flour. And also we've talked about this on the pod before, but like all flours are not created equal. So with a recipe calls for bread flour and cake flour, using all-purpose flour doesn't always work because the weights of all those are different. So I would look like, for example, if you have a ton of almond flour, I have an almond cake on the blog that is incredible that uses almond flour. So I would look for recipes that actually call for those ingredients if you have alternative flours on hand. Sugar, white sugar for brown sugar. Honestly, I would say 99% of the time you can substitute them one for one. If a recipe calls for brown sugar and you just don't think white sugar is going to cut it, you can make your own brown sugar. It's just one cup of white sugar to one tablespoon of molasses. And you basically like throw it into a food processor and blend it up and it'll be brown sugar. Super easy. So that's what I would say about that. And I love you very much, Hillary. Thank you. (laughs) Hi, my name is Brooke. I'm from Idaho. I have red enchilada sauce, pickles, jalapenos, and peppers in adobo sauce. And I'm wondering how you would use those in a recipe specifically to make frozen chicken more fabulous. I'm also wondering what your tricks are for making oatmeal less bland and more fabulous too. Thanks for your help. Bye. Hi, Brooke. Honestly, these are some of my most favorite questions because I feel like we're on an episode of Chopped and I get to come up with cool ideas. So let's talk about the enchilada sauce, pickled jalapenos, the chipotles and adobo and chicken. I would take whatever kind of chicken you have out of your freezer, let it thaw and then blot it dry. I would then sear it off in some oil in a skillet and then cover it with some enchilada sauce and maybe one chipotle in adobo pepper maybe like a little bit of sauce if you want it extra smoky and then let it simmer over medium low heat until the chicken is fully shreddable and then shred it up and use it in enchiladas. You can put it in quesadillas. You can make tacos out of it like sky's the limit. You can put the pickled jalapenos on top of that for like an extra little pickly kick. As far as oatmeal goes, my solution to boring oatmeal is sugar. I add brown sugar, I add honey, I add a drizzle of agave, and then I add fruit. Any kind of fruit would be great. Well, that's not true. Pineapple would be weird on oatmeal, but like strawberries, bananas, raspberries, blueberries, 
any kind of berry would be fantastic. Mango is actually really good in oatmeal. That kind of stuff gives it a little pizzazz. Adding shredded coconut is awesome. If you want to add a little like cacao powder would also be really good. I feel like bee pollen, all that kind of stuff gives it a little bit of spunk and not just the boring packet oatmeal straight out of the pantry. So I hope that helps. All right, let's see what's next. Hi, Abby. This is Kara from Minnesota. In anticipation of Cinco de Mayo, I'd love to know what some of your favorite tequilas are. I'm hoping to be able to get a bottle or two shipped in time to enjoy with some guac and chips. Please share a couple of your go-to or favorite margarita recipes as well. Thanks in advance. Hi, Kara, and happy early Cinco de Mayo. This is one of my favorite food holidays because we get to eat chips and salsa and guacamole all day long and nobody can judge us. I have called in the professional tequila taste tester, Thomas, for this question, because while I will tell you how to make a mean margarita, Thomas is in charge of all the shopping for tequila. So here's what he has to say. Hey there. So when it comes to tequila... I like to look at it and think like, what am I going to be doing with it? Am I going to be mixing it or am I going to be sipping it? If you're mixing it a la margaritas, always go with silver tequila because it's less flavor in terms of like the caramel and vanilla notes and the citrus that you mix it with really comes out more on that. If you're going to sip it, you got to look at it with as like a scotch. So Anejos and Reposados and more aged tequilas are going to be where you want to go. So with that being said, typically we mix all our margaritas with Casamigos silver tequila. And then when I'm sipping something nice, I actually go with either the Casamigos Anejo, which is another great option. Or if I'm really splurging, my current favorite tequila is Dos Artes. It's got a great vanilla and caramel flavored notes and it's just a really special treat. So if you can find that, I would jump on that. Wait, what was the tequila we brought back from our honeymoon in Mexico? That was Clase Azul. And that's a very sweet, that's actually a great tequila to get people into tequila. It doesn't kick you in the face like your Cuervo shots from college. It's very smooth and it's on the sweeter side. So it's a lot easier to sip. And that is a great introductory tequila. I don't know what you're talking about from getting your face kicked off from tequila shots in college. That was a rough time for me. I blacked out a couple times. <laughs> Anyways, so once you have, let's say, the silver tequila for margaritas, there's a skinny marg recipe on my blog with all sorts of different citrus, depending on what you can get your hands on to. You can do blood orange, you can do grapefruit, you can do limes, you can do regular oranges. The only thing I would stay away from in a margarita would be lemons. But hey, it's quarantine. Anything really goes. So I'll link the margarita recipe below in the show notes. Thomas has one more thing to add about tequila, obviously. One other really good tequila that I know you can get all the way across the country is the Cuervo Reserve de la Familia. Yes, it is Jose Cuervo, but it's absolutely delicious. They basically take barrel-aged tequila that they've been aging for like the last 10 or 15 years, and they mix it with batches that they made recently. So every batch is a little bit different, but always super, super delicious. All right. Tequila school is closed for a few minutes, and then... I'm going to open it up personally at home. <laughs> Here's who's next. Hi, Gabby. This is Danielle in Orange County. I just started getting subscription produce boxes, and I was wondering about greens in general. So I have, you know, the beet stems with the greens, 
And I found a few recipes on sauteing them, but was wondering what you would recommend. Also, kale. I know I can mix it into pastas and like roast it. Can I roast the kale and store it as well? I guess those are my two questions. How to prepare those and how do you store them for the best longevity? Thank you so much. Hi, Danielle. This is such a great question and so pertinent to what's going on today because I feel like a lot of people are subscribing to CSAs, especially now that you know, produce is coming back into season across the country. We're lucky here in California, we can have access to them year round, but that's besides the point. Greens. So I actually just picked up my CSA box today and I have like an aggressive amount of kale and chard and beets and everything you could possibly imagine, like things I don't even recognize and can't pronounce. I have been taking them, cleaning them. Some of the, like, for example, kale, I don't eat the stem of. I like pull the leaves off of the stem, but chard or beet greens or something like that, you can eat the stem. So basically what I do is I pull the leaves off of everything. If it's an edible stem, I will chop it up really fine. And then I saute everything together. And normally I will put some olive oil into a pan. Once it's hot, I will add the greens sometimes in batches. If I have so many greens, I'll add some till it wilts. I'll add more, more, more. And then as soon as it wilts down, I'll like hit it with a fourth of a cup or a third of a cup of white wine. If it's on hand, that way it just kind of gives it a little extra flavor. And then I add the garlic and the shallot, some red pepper flakes, some lemon juice, some salt and pepper, and just like really quickly give that a saute and just until the shallots are translucent. That way you can use that on anything. You can put it on pasta. You can put it on pizza. You can put it in quesadilla or a grilled cheese or anything like that. And it lasts a lot longer. Once it's cooked, you can store that in the fridge. Oh, and also you could use any of that stuff and make a pesto. You'll want to remove the stems and discard them. If you're making a pesto, the stems don't need to be a part of that, but there's a pesto recipe on my site. You could blend it into a basil vinaigrette. That would be really good as well. As far as roasting kale goes, yeah, you can do kale chips, which are so amazing and had a real heyday like whenever eight years ago when food blogging got trendy. It doesn't last that well roasted in the fridge. So I would say sauteing is your best bet if you want to keep it around for five or six days and roasting the kale and making kale chips. They don't stay crisp for that long. So you'd probably just want to eat them that day. But they're super addictive. And if you have a little like flavored olive oil or Gabby's go-to or anything like that and sprinkle that on there, they taste like candy and they are amazing. Okay. That's it for our callers for today. Thank you guys for calling as usual. All right. Let's talk about bars. We've talked about these before in my Insta story, but I get so many questions on elemental superfood bars, which are, I mean, it's not even like a protein bar. It's just like a superfood bar filled with like nuts and nut butter and fruits and all the delicious things like cacao and hemp seeds and lemons and cashews and all the healthy foods you could need smashed into a bar. They are amazing. They ship nationwide. Their website's elemental-raw.com. They actually gave us a discount code. So if you enter Gabi, G-A-B-Y 15, when you check out, they'll give you 15% off. And these bars I keep with me at all times. Honestly, they're for emergencies. They're the best things I've ever had. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. 
All right, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future until quarantine is over. <laughs> if you have any questions that you want answered, give me a call, 888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you have a super cool small company you know about that deserves to be highlighted, leave it as a voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out whatsgobbycooking.com and I will talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.